today on Compassion Radio. Some of those countries, it's risky even for their own people to talk to each other. And God forbid somebody with an American passport. Now I have another passport, which would help in some countries too, yeah. but there's no way. So we've had to deal with it. It is harder because there are some times we would meet personally and some things only bubble out personally. Yeah. On Compassion Radio today, we're welcoming back a friend that walked us through some pretty amazing things a couple of years ago, and he was very gracious to let us get behind the scenes and what it's like to deal with a real grief through real hope and see God do some amazing work in the face of unexpected circumstances. Daniel Plett of Transworld Radio out there in Bratislava, Slovakia. Welcome back to Compassion Radio. Well, that was very kind of you, Bram, and I'm very glad to be here. Wow, what a year it's been. When I sat in your living room a couple of years ago, we were exploring the dark corners of the human psyche, what happens when we deal with a grief that is unexpected. And you told an incredible story, a real faithful story, what it was like to walk your wife and then your children through the episodes of loss that you had to face because you lost your wife at that time to cancer. And you had young children at home at the time. And you had a ministry you were running and responsible for across the world. These are not easy things to navigate at any time, but when you're responsible for so many things, I think what really impressed me about your response was how grounded your faith was and expectant of God to do great things in the circumstances you were in, not in spite of them. Where you were suffering, you saw God at work. And that was a moving, moving story. We've had a lot of correspondence over the past couple of years because of what you said then. I want to ask you, in hindsight, you and I had that conversation a month before COVID hit the world in force. And for the past two years, the world has gone through tremendous upheaval because of it. You have experience to inform you on how to minister to others in their losses and their fears that they've experienced in this COVID era because of what God brought you through. So just walk me through what you went through as a family when COVID hit there and how your experience helped guide you and how your ministry could mean something to others and how it could help and serve and grow the kingdom. I really don't know where to start. Mm, we got to start somewhere. <laughs> I probably start on the back end. Because certain principles are truth, no matter what. Yeah. And if I don't start with God, what is there that doesn't move? If we ever want stability, we have it only in him because he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The circumstances will always change. But if I didn't go to God in the past, I wouldn't have the reserve to deal with him when there wasn't the time. And that probably sounds heretical. And there wasn't the time to deal with it some day-to-day things. No, you're talking about discipline. You're, you actually lived it. When the emotions were too deep and things were too crazy busy. Yeah. So I'd say at very least two, maybe three things. One is you have to be in his word and time with him. Now, I didn't have time because a single father of three kids. I still read his word physically and underline it and study it like I did in the past in journal. I sometimes even can't bring the adrenaline down from urgency with three teenagers now to in college. That may show more about my weak faith than about God, but it's important to tell the truth. I've listened to a lot of God's word. However you get in God's word, whether it's music or meditation or listening, it's dreadfully important. So when you jump into the Word, it's not just because you're seeking for something and you don't know where to start. It's because you built a lifetime discipline, a character that says God's Word comes first, and if I go there first, I will know what to do next. I've seen that in your life, the way you've taught your kids, the way they speak, and just having spent time with them in your home and having your oldest in our home back in Texas over that year and a half afterwards, I saw the fruit of that. 
What do you say to those who haven't developed that discipline in their life that are suddenly facing crises in their life now or have had to go through this past year and a half or so with the threat of loss or maybe they've lost somebody in their family to COVID? Where do you start now if you've never had that foundation? You use the right combination of words that would start now. It's like somebody who's had, you know, severe diet problems. All of a sudden, the doctor says you've got diabetes unless you lose 50 pounds. I've had three friends that did that in the last three years. Hmm. They hated running. They hated dieting, but they hated dying. And so they did it. I'm being very blunt because I'm not always that faithful in my reading, but I know where the truth is. There's only one hope, Graham. All the rest, there is hope, but it's kind of like this mist. The sun comes up, the next trouble is going to disappear. Yeah. People say my reality is different. This reality is different. Uh, baloney. God <laughs> created it all. Yeah. God created it all. He created your brain to be able to think of those realities. He is there. He is there and he loves. And that's what gives hope because he's the same. You say, I need love. I'm missing love. Well, God is love. It's not that he does loving things. He is love. He can't help but love you. That doesn't feel like loving. And so I don't know if I do that perfectly, but that's what I feel. Okay. When we talked about it and the chapter in your life you walked us through, losing your wife Mm -hmm. and helping your children to deal with that loss and reframe their lives based on the reality of that loss, but the deeper reality of God's persistent love for them going forward. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, we've seen the fruit of that in your kids, and we're very proud of you for that. And we're proud of what God did in you in all this time. When you started encountering people that started suffering from bouts of fear and anxiety when the COVID crackdown started happening, how did you guide your friends in that? How did you minister to the folks in your church that were facing these things? Uh, Sometimes you don't do anything. You just sit together. Hmm. Now, Bram, I'm pretty pathological introvert. I am an extreme (laughs) introvert. (laughs) But I need people. Yeah. I remember my brother-in-law came to help out with my wife as she was dying. And actually, he came to help me as we figured it out. And I looked at him one day and said, Tom, I just need somebody to be with. And we looked at each other, our jaws dropped, thinking I'd never say that word in my life. Hmm. And that's the second thing I'd like to say as you asked about loneliness and COVID. You need somebody. We couldn't meet in church for about four months. We have six people maximum. And I ended up accidentally starting an online small group with some people. And it was a lifeline for all of us. And it meant deeply. And there are two rules. You had to tell the truth. And God's word was the final authority. You don't need to be beautiful. You don't need to feel good. And I've seen that with my kids. We've all gone through struggles. We've all gone through additional counseling, some on the side, some incredibly intense needed to save a life. Yeah. One of my daughters hit a severe, severe crisis, still working through it. So maybe I did it wrong, but I know where God is, and we go to him. And we need people. God made two. (laughs) Now, not all of us are married, and I'm not going to joke and make light about that. I was a single till I was 36. Mm -hmm. And people accidentally say a lot of mean things to singles that are meant to be nice. Yeah. But we have God. And I will say there are two different ways expressing what loneliness does, whether it's for whatever reason, singleness, single again, loss or COVID. For some, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And for others, it finally uncovers everything else that we've been pushing down consciously or subconsciously. It just reveals everything and it bubbles out and we have to deal with it. But we need something eternal. We need God and we need relationship. Yeah. And I can't say it's easy. No, it's not. 
especially when you're in circumstances or using technologies you're not familiar with. I mean, of course, the work that you and I do, if we're going to be with people in our profession, the people we need to interview, the people we need to counsel and to work in teams with, it's meant going to Zoom like you and I are doing right now. It's not something that's just in the living room anymore. I look forward to the day when you and I can finally sit down again together, cross a cup of coffee, and just reminisce about the things God brought us through in the time that we've been apart. But there is at least the hope that we can make do with what we have and make good things happen now, because you and I do have tools right now, like this Zoom call we're on, that were not there a generation ago. There would have been no way for us to really connect on these things and talk truth to each other and to walk each other through and even see each other's expressions, say back in the 1950s, where an international phone call would have been a fortune. So I am grateful for the things God has given us this generation to help us not just cope with the situation, but to make the most of it. That's right. And you have a worldwide network that you work with at Trans World Radio. So tell me what it's like now in communicating with the people that are helping keep the signal up and broadcasting the truth to so many nations. In some ways, for me, in my position, very little has changed. Hmm. Because in my position, I'm working with people from, well, in Europe and Central Asia, Middle East, North Africa region already. And of course, there's no way I can meet all those people. We do quite a bit of work for our Asia region. So weekly, we're distributing, say, 80 to 90 languages. There's no way I can speak all those languages. Some of those countries, it's risky even for their own people to talk to each other. And God forbid somebody with an American passport. Now I have another passport, which would help in some countries too, but there's no way. So we've had to deal with it. It is harder because there are some times we would meet personally and some things only bubble out personally. Yeah. There's the power of the touch when you actually are sitting with somebody and there's so much pent up that it literally takes a physical touch to release it, to allow us the courage to unleash And to let out. I was reading a child psychologist from the Czech Republic the other day. He said we need five touches a day at least. Mm -hmm. And it takes at least nine to 20 seconds for it to be medicinal. Yeah, there you go. Now with a teenage daughter, they don't always want that. Dad's job, it's we're here to be fishermen and try to reel in the fish in the way we can. But for instance, my office, our workplace is about 400 yards away from where I live. And there are times we couldn't and shouldn't go there. And when it opened up after a year and a half of work out of the front room where I am now, it was really strange to go back, although I longed to. It was fun, and I'd just redone my office. It was, hmm. fit me. Yeah. And not everybody could. I'll say it's kind of strange since school began this year. I've been going five, six hours a day, so I can still be home available for my daughter. Even if it isn't the relational part that's better, the ideas and the creativity come out. People have these things in their mind, sometimes just the extra 5% of writing it down. Or going back to the computer slows it down. Hmm. Even now, after two and a half months, sometimes my job at work is to not work. Okay. So what do you do instead? It's to be relational and sit with people. Hmm. Now, you can be extreme there, too. But for my personality, I have to I have to force <laughs> that. And God has done really unique stuff. I found out, for instance, last year at Christmas, we were the only office in our organization that held a Christmas party hmm. because we would say, how can we do it? Yeah. What are the laws? And we have somebody on our staff whose family is supremely <laughs> compromised immunity. So I got them to help plan it. What could we do? And I think that's the attitude. There is a lot we can't do. And I don't always agree with governments, but God said we are to honor the government. Hmm. And that includes people like Joseph and Daniel who lived in and prospered in political positions in very corrupt governments. Mm. So if they did it, we can do it by God's wisdom. Yeah. 
I think it's an important word for us to hear right now in America. Honor that and then go on and do something good. I've been hearing plenty, even through my Facebook feed, about the Christian response to be defiant. And I don't see that anywhere in Scripture, of course. I do believe it's time for us, at times, to stand up for what is true and to take the lumps for it if we need to, but never in anger and never to stick it to the man. It's just not the Word of God, but it is definitely in our culture here in America. And I'm not by any means preaching a gospel of being a patsy to corruption, as if we have to just kowtow to corrupt governments. But there, as you say, there is something about integrity that can exist no matter the context that God's going to use to transform circumstances and history. In one way or another, we're all being called to care for others in some really trying times. By God's grace and sticking together, we can get through it. We might even see some of God's best work in the process. I want to start by thanking you for all the ways you've supported our work and witness. I mean that. We literally cannot come to you each day without your prayerful and generous support. Even if you've never supported us financially in the past, the very fact of your presence, your willingness to spend these important minutes of your day to hear what God is doing around the world, that in itself is a gift. To God because he wants his work known, and to us, because I know you'll really think and pray about what you've heard, and I know that will bring about the kind of spiritual fruit in you that will feed the world. Whatever's going on in your heart from the things you hear on Compassion Radio, I hope you'll take a moment to let us know about it. You can email anytime. The address is info at CompassionRadio.com. I hope you'll take to heart this important truth. Compassion Radio has always been a collaborative venture. We partner with you to pray God's will into the world around us and His power and protection for those doing His work in the world's toughest places. We've partnered with so many wonderful, intrepid ministries over the years, and we're still working hard to fulfill our faith goals for special projects this year. We're a lean team, just a handful really, and we have no ambitions to grow a major corporation here. Our ambition is simply this, to provide you with real, life-changing teaching and encouragement and opportunities for changing lives around the world through special projects. It can't happen without you, so I ask. Even if you've never done it before, would you help us? Your gift today is vitally important. We're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. Call us at one 800 868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. However you decide to reach out and join us with your prayers and financial gifts, please know that we are deeply grateful for the support and partnership. I'm not by any means preaching a gospel of being a patsy to corruption, as if we have to just kowtow to corrupt governments. But there, as you say, there is something about integrity that can exist no matter the context that God's going to use to transform circumstances and history. You have been living that out in your country, which is Slovakia now. So what does it look like, you think, worldwide? The kingdom of God at work in the places where they find themselves. Some countries are more restrictive than others, some are not. What's your opinion? You're an expat from America living in Slovakia, working and ministering to people in all kinds of contexts all over the world. How should the kingdom really be responding to the authorities when they start impinging upon our conveniences and our rights? I think you start with listening to Jesus. Hmm. God said the first and two greatest commandments are what, Graham? To love, to love the Lord your God with all your soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. 
He didn't care about where they were in ethnicity, gender, life, hate, political view. Love God first and love them the way he loved you. Okay, if you have work for the next month, there's plenty right there. Yeah, you be busy for at least a few 30 days. And I think when you love people and care about them and serve them, there's never a shortage of places to serve. Mm. And remember, Jesus said, I came to serve. He didn't come to rule. Yeah. And he also said, my kingdom isn't from this world. And now we can be extreme, like you said, be pansies. I come originally from a very strong Mennonite background, mm. which are strong believers, and historically, they were pacifists. Right. Some of that has changed. It takes a lot more strength, in my opinion, to choose to die without fighting back because you, you feel that fighting back would ruin your conviction to God. Hmm. It takes a lot more strength than to fight back. Now, if somebody attacks my kids, I don't know how to bring that in practically, and I probably wouldn't. There's a Charlie Brown cartoon city, you know, turn the other cheek and then powee, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I think we have a lot to learn from serving and suffering. And there's, we are called to be humble. We are called to be meek. And there's a saying that says, if you, are, if you think meekness is weakness, try being meek for a week. <laughs> and that doesn't mean we don't have power. I often think those who truly have power don't need to show it. At least the, the kind so of God. That's my philosophy discussion is ending now. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I appreciate your philosophy. I'm asking you for practical things because you're out there. I mean, we talk to people all around the world that are on the front lines of faith, and you certainly are in the realms that you work in. So I'm not afraid to ask what you've learned from God in the places you are, because we need to translate that experience back into things that are practical where we are on the home front. And I have always been about challenging our listeners to take seriously the testimony, which means the good word that comes from those who are the ones stepping out, because you are taking the fiery darts and arrows of the evil one for being where you are, and you have something to say to us that's valuable. And so I don't want to shy back from asking you those tough questions. You've been very gracious to be honest with us, and, and as you said, forthright and not holding back. And that's one of the things about your character, Daniel, that I really do appreciate. Before we wrap up this particular episode of the Bash Radio program, I want to ask you then about how you would sum it up. You've been through personal loss. You have a lot of experience there. You've seen mm -hmm. others enter into theirs when they were not expecting it in the same way you were not expecting yours, and yet it happens. And now it's happened to the entire world. There seems to be kind of a zeitgeist around the entire planet that we're all in this together, but we don't really want to be. And so there are plenty of people that are fighting against that idea of identifying with the other and welcoming them in and want to react exactly the opposite to other people and push them out and make them the the bad guy when because we're suffering. That's a very human thing, I think. And yet the kingdom of God, as you've seen, and I've seen as I've traveled, does exactly the opposite. They go to the places that are hurt the worst, that are in the worst shape, and are the worst people, so to speak, to minister to. They go there because God says, Go. They're not afraid to step in and find out what God has for them when they get there. They don't have a plan ready all the time, but they have a willingness to step out. Describe for me, Daniel, if you could, some of the heroes that you've seen that have acted that way and have shown you the kingdom in the past couple of years. The people that want to call or encourage or help when there's nothing in it for them. Oh. 
And I people that call and reach out when it's hard. Mm. I I hate making a new phone call or email to something I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I know, in spite of all our church's heroic care for our family, and I mean every word of that. After my wife died, it was 18 months before somebody invited us over to their house. Mm. Or even in that time, people to share themselves, they might say, how are you doing wanting me to talk to them? Hmm. But I got to the point where I really wasn't ready to share my heart unless you were willing to do it for a change. Hmm. Now, there were other Christians that did other places, and I'm not, our church has done incredible things, but that was a failure, and I made up my mind that wouldn't happen. And as I'm on the elder board with member care, there's one person that was going through intense marital and difficult problems. And I knew basically they were inaccessible and I didn't know what to do. I, I said, I wasn't going to let them hang. I had no idea what to do. Hmm. So I just picked almost like on a calendar, very you know, scheduled and structured as an engineer would do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just had three days a week. I'd send them just thinking of you, praying for you, maybe a verse. The personal comes first, even though the verse is true. Hmm. And they wrote me back after nine months and said, you know, except for the pastor, you're the only one that ever wrote me. Hmm. That's not to brag on myself, but that's because I have permission to tell my own stories. I don't have permission to tell other people's stories. Exactly. And I will say, like I told you, there is one daughter that went through intense crisis, and it was, again, the loneliness. Hmm. And we don't know. We can't push our ways in. We can make available. Those are the heroes that even though they didn't know if they were going to receive something, maybe they didn't even like me. I don't care. They're willing to reach out, at least come to the door and knock and stand there. I Physically or electronically. <laughs> because there's no chance to make contact if somebody's not there. Yeah. And it starts with the vertical love becoming horizontal. Yeah. I do think, Daniel, that when God sends people and says go, and we actually obey, we're not always sure what's going to come out of our mouth. It may be nothing. That may be the best very often. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just sit there. No, seriously, just sit there. Words mean nothing sometimes. Yeah, it's true. Other times you may say, open your hand, hand something over, or receive something from. But it's those kind of subtle promptings that the Spirit gives us if we obey them, he sometimes finds, sometimes, he always finds a way to let his love language connect with theirs. Even if we don't understand what that love language is, if we're just willing to be obedient and be present, he can, and often does, use us to be that vessel and to be witness to the thing, the transaction that his spirit makes with theirs. To say that you are not forgotten, you are important, and you will always be loved. And I'm glad you had people that reached out to you that way in your time with me, Daniel, and you're able to do it now. Well, thank you. I'd say the one other thing I've experienced and learned is take what God gives you and be willing to feel it and experience it completely. Hmm. It's not like Star Wars where the good and the bad equal each other out. It's a bunch of baloney. (laughs) When there's pain and it's deep pain, drink the cup fully. It doesn't mean you let the emotions control you, but let God be as deep as the pain is. Hmm. Because then it only then can be healed. And do the same with the joy. Yeah. It's completely his. He made it. And if you let him there, then it'll become his emotions, his feelings, his life. Yeah. Good words, my friend. 
And I know there are hard-won understandings of what God can do and what His heart is to do through us. So I thank you for this uh, particular segment of the program. We're going to come back and talk again about how that's been paid forward now into your ministry through Transworld Radio and how people all around the world are being literally saved from physical death and from spiritual despair because of the bravery that God's put into the hearts of those you work with. So we'll get back to that on our next program. We're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And we're on the Internet at CompassionRadio.com and Facebook.com slash CompassionRadio. We'll see you again tomorrow.